Welcome to John's Comic Corner. I am John, and my very special guest today is the brilliantly talented Mr. Josh Wilson. Welcome, Josh. I'm snapping for you because I don't want to. I don't know how loud my mic is, so I'm, <laughs> the guest I'm doing Reese that... Witherspoon legally blonde <laughs> snaps. The guest who is in every episode. I um, know, but this is the first time I'm, that you and I. It's just been us. It's just been us. I know. Like every other time, it's been like I, I was on the episode with Andrea and the one with V. Yeah, but, but yeah, is, no, this is the first one. It's just the two of us. It's nice. Yeah. Um, but so I, I find it very special and an honor oh. of Wonder Woman 1984 coming out. I know. I've literally been counting the days. I've I've already texted my family. You mean the days. But, and then the days again when you had to change your update counter and then the day, how many times did they delay it? Uh, okay, so here's the thing. Originally the release date was in, I believe November, 2019. Right. And she very, Patty Jenkins very early on was like, I don't want to do it in 2019. I want to make sure it's ready. I don't want to rush it. Let's push it to, um, let's push it to 2020. So it's going to be, be ready June. for whatever I have to put out in 2020. Somebody will be ready for it. Yeah. Yeah. But this is all of our rambling to say that we read Wonder Woman for this. Yeah. So there we go. Um, so we're on Wonder Woman. So now you and I have talked a little bit about this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know that you've read comics. I know yeah. that you're a Neil Gaiman fan. Yeah. Have you ever read Wonder Woman before? No. Okay. I don't feel like you're a superhero kind of guy. Am I I'm wrong not. about that? Yeah. You're not. Well, you're not, you're not, I mean, that's not a hundred percent true. Like I mm -hmm. got into nerddom. I've said this on a bajillion other things we've said, like Batman was my thing into like Nerdland and like transformers and stuff like that, but mm. not the comics, the movies. But I, as a person, as I, I think I've referenced in comic corners a few times, I'm not a, not really a movie or TV guy that much. Like I used to be when, like when I was a kid, I used to just, that was all I did. But like, I am mm -hmm. very much like as I was in college and now I am very much like a book and music person. Like that is just mm -hmm. working in a bookstore for a couple of years will do that to you and whatever. Like, so I am very old school in that like, because I love books so much and I've, you know, I've read so many books, books don't really do the comic hero, the comic hero the superhero thing in particular, you know, like that sort of genre doesn't really go to books. And I, I never really grew up with like the, the local comic shop or anything like that. Like that we didn't really have that where I grew up, like uh -huh. they existed, like, you know, but Colorado Springs where I lived and especially like the neighborhoodish and what I was around and able to go to didn't have that. So I just never grew up with it. Um, but this is all to say that like superheroes are, I love them, but they are not my primary, you know what I mean? I had never read Wonder Woman before. So it was really fun to read it and then hear it in a really weird way. Well, welcome to Comic Nerdum. I do want to recommend a um, superhero novel for you, which I think you'll really like. It's called Super Folks by Robert Mayer. Okay. And um, Alan oh, Moore used... 
I'm sorry? Did he write something else, Robert Mayer? Uh, let me click on my handy dandy Google machine. He's written a lot of stuff. Um, His the name Ferris is Tale, um, Sweet Salt, The Grace of Short Stops. He's written a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, but the reason that I bring this one up is because um, this is a book that both The Incredibles, the movie The Incredibles, mm-hmm. um, is semi, not based on, but this was clearly an inspiration in many ways. And also, I believe Alan Moore used, not used it, but also, again, was inspired by it when he was doing Watchmen. Sure. And it's one of those books that was very much a cult thing that people kind of got lost in the, the over the years. Um, and people sort of mention it, but nobody, nobody ever... I, I think it's just been lost. But anyway, I would highly recommend it. Super Folks by Robert Mayer, really good book. Cool. Um, you know, I think it was written in the 70s. I want to say 77, but I might Look, be wrong I'm so used to, I've, I've been rereading all of Dune recently, like the whole, the, the mega series of Dune and 70s sci-fi. Gotta love it. As we were yeah. also talking about my love for Star Wars right before this. So like, yeah. And now, I, and again, I could be wrong about the year. I'm not positive. I want to say in the 70s, sure. um, but I'm wrong about a lot of things in life. So uh, we should also say that the Wonder Woman we read was uh, it was the Gail Simone, the Gail Simone Wonder Woman episodes or issues, issues, issues 14 through, through 17. The the this is um, it's called the Circle. That's the title of the arc. Right. Um, written by Gail Simone, art by Terry Dodson, Rachel Dodson, and Ron Randall. Um, and so uh, just to give a little bit of the history of it before we actually get into the talk, um, I believe, so Gail Simone was the first, not the first woman to write Wonder Woman, but she was the first woman who had sort of an open-ended run on the book. Um, Trina, well, Joy Murchison wrote it way back in the day, right after um, William Moulton Marson passed. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much, I don't believe she was ever sort of credited in the issues. I think it was all still credited to Charles Moulton, who was William Moulton Marston's alter ego. Right. Um, but she did write it. And there were other women who worked on it along the way. Um, you know, Karen Berger, um, who was big wig at DC Comics and is now I want to say at Random House, and I might be wrong about that. God, the Penguin. But oh. anyway, um, Karen Berger was an editor when George Perez was Perez. Excuse me, I always pronounce his name incorrectly, and I apologize when he was doing it. Um, but Trina Robbins, who is an amazing legend in the comics world, fantastic writer, fantastic artist, she wrote um, the Legends of Wonder Woman miniseries between. Crisis on Infinite Earths and the relaunch of Wonder Woman in the 80s. And then Jody Picot, the novelist, wrote um, a short, I think it was five issue run immediately before um, the Gail Simone. So um, this was 2006, anyway. this one was written, right? Yeah, we're going back a number of years. <laughs> um, and I do remember um, that before Gail Simone was announced on this book. She had just gotten the job and was at New York Comic Con and I was standing in line getting a bunch of stuff, a bunch of my Birds of Prey issues signed by her. And um, she was like, 
I'm so excited. I can't talk about this new project, but I, I just got it and I'm super excited. And I was like, oh, that's so congratulations. And I was like, I, I hope you get to write Wonder Woman one day. And she was like, yeah, me too. And then like a week later, it was announced that she was on Wonder Woman. And I was like, ah, oh, John, you're such an idiot. Why do you speak? You know, you know, like one of my favorite, one of my favorite things to see is like, you know, when you, somebody's lying and you say exactly what they're lying about um, and it re- like to really catch them off guard, like the best example I've ever seen is a poker player named Daniel Negreanu is like mm-hmm. this absolute mega mind at like reading people and figuring out what's going on. And he's good enough to where in a lot of situations, he can guess the exact cards that you have, like down to the suit. And he will turn and he's a chatty guy at the table and he will vocally say all of the tells and everything you did at the table. Like if you twitched your left finger and like, he'll be like, he'll look at you and be like, do you have, do you have the flush? Um, Or like, do you have a full house? And you'll be like, no. And he's like, right. But you, I mean, he's like, you have the king of clubs and the, and the queen of diamonds Um, or, you know, whatever, like, um, and you'll just watch them go and he goes right cool and then we'll like play it's wild to watch people melt like that oh card counting card counting nice um okay sorry we are as bad on our tangents as matthew is i'm gonna have to edit this before i even sent it to kelly he's gonna be so mad at me (laughs) (laughs) all right so let so okay um the other thing that i want to say about this issue is this is picking up from a DC miniseries called Amazon's Attack. I, not my favorite storyline personally, but this is picking up a lot of threads from it as you know, in serialized storytelling, (laughs) sometimes you get a story that you didn't have anything to be a part of that you have to deal with the consequences of, which is what was happening here. So anyway, so shall we let's talk some let's talk some bigger picture stuff and then we'll 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 flow down to the the micro um so there's really kind of two stories going on here there's Mm -hmm. there's more than that but i'm i'm fascinated by the stuff at the beginning of each book Mm -hmm. of each issue where hippolyta is talking about um not only what life was like on Themyscira before Diana, but also about Diana's birth. Right. And yeah, so I was super fascinated by that. And I love sort of the opening page of the first, I love the opening page of the first issue. And I love that first line. It was not so dear as you have been told because every time we've seen Wonder Woman's origin, it's always been told, you know, she was formed from clay underneath this beautiful sky and there was not a cloud in the sky and it was blue and there was it's, sun. Yeah, it's it totally perfect. magical. Like it's like, yeah, it is the ultimate like fairy tale birth. Yeah. But I love the idea of, you know, there was thunder, there was lightning and yes, there was blood. Yeah. This one's dark. Yeah. Like it, it is like, like not super dark, but like it's super interesting to me. Like I, my favorite of like, I counted like three or four like larger stories going on at once, like within Mm -hmm. the arc. But like my favorite was this first one of like the before times, I guess. Cause like 
I really love slowly evolving stories and mm-hmm. watching as you're like constantly trying to figure out what happens. Like you don't even like I being the uninitiated, I have seen the Wonder Woman's many of them. I have not mm-hmm. read it though. And you know, it's always different when you read something. And at first I had not figured out because I hadn't read um, the arc before. I didn't know that it was about Diana's birth. So you're like, who, who are these, who are these dudes? Mm-hmm. Like, why is it, why is this so dark? And like one of the big things that I compare Wonder Woman to is our own. Cause I have spent more time with our own mm-hmm. rendition of Wonder Woman than any other Wonder Woman. So I'm like, well, what, well, why would Philippus let something like this happen? I can't let Heidi betray us like this. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And one of the things that I find most interesting about it is, and I have read a lot of Wonder Woman in my day, mm-hmm. um, in my millions of years upon this planet. Um, the thing that's always interesting is uh, certainly um, although there are rare exceptions in storylines, you know, there's always the, you know, like the one rebellious Amazon or the small group of, of, of things. Mm-hmm. They've always, they've often, not always, they've often been portrayed as sort of having this one, this sort of group consciousness of, mm-hmm. um, there hasn't been a whole lot of dissent. There hasn't been a whole lot of jealousy. There hasn't been a whole lot of anger. Mm-hmm. And I was really fascinated by um, not only the larger of um, Alkyo, I believe it's pronounced Alkyone okay. or Alkyone. I... Yeah. So I'm just going to go with Alkyone. I also probably should have said before we started talking about this, spoiler alert. Oh, the, the, just... spoil, the spoiler horn that I always... Um, mention will be there. It's never okay. in there, but that's you, good. I put in the description. Uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> but I love this sort of over overarching picture, not only of um, Alcione's jealousy um, of have being of Hippolyta being able to have a child, but there's also this really fascinating line. I think it's in the third issue where she's talking about one of the other guards. And she says, oh, you know, she was, you know, she was mistress of the, of the fish, of the, of the fishing. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was like, you know, other Amazons laughed behind her back at the lingering smell. And I sort of was like, oh, that's really interesting because the Amazons have often been portrayed as sort of perfect people and kind of above things. But what's interesting is, you know, even in Greek mythology, the um, the gods are very human and very real and have, you know, we wouldn't have these myths if there wasn't anger and jealousy and misunderstanding and, um, you know, to sort of have the Amazons worship the gods and not be part, not have those same human emotions. Right it's always kind of interesting because it's never been really a story that's been portrayed before. Right. Am I making sense? Yeah, no, I, it was one of the things that I always appreciated about Greek mythology in particular Mm -hmm. is instead of having the sort of 
complex that I think a lot of like monotheistic religions have where it is this indescribable, like you can't like unfathomable thing mm-hmm. being existence conscious, whatever it may be that is just so far above us that all we can tell you is that it is those things where mm-hmm. Greek mythology goes even one step further and says, we're not even going to try to explain that. We don't have the facilities to do that. And the things that happen to us appear in our own patterns of our cultures and lives. So we must be able to explain this in some way. And those ways are always incredibly convoluted. Mm -hmm. Um, which makes them human because humans are super. And it's so interesting because like the Amazons, maybe I, we could go down this rabbit hole of like Wonder Woman was written by somebody who was probably Christian, right? Or a monotheistic uh, most follower. Likely. Like, you know, whether you're Christian, Jewish, either it was most likely monotheistic. Um, the Amazons are portrayed as perfect. Like, and within their fitting of Greek mythology, that never works. You know what I mean? Like, they're, like those things don't exist. So, like, it, to your point, it's super interesting to see, oh, it's a real society. It's not this sort of hive mind tribe thing that's existed for 32 centuries. And Yeah. Um, and, I mean, we can go further down the rabbit hole if, if you wanted to talk monotheism, because until you get to the New Testament, um, you know, and I'm not, I'm, I'm speaking strictly from a philosophical angle. I'm not, I was not a theology major, um, but really until you get to the New Testament, I mean, God is portrayed as often angry and often vengeful. Mm-hmm. Um, not, you know, of course, not without reason as is, you know, in the Old Testament, but, you know, um, it's it's not really until the new t- the New Testament when there's this sort of well God is all love and you know right and wants the best for us etc cetera, etc. Cetera. It was you know coming from a place of well unless you follow God's rules you you know if you don't follow the rules you're in you're in trouble and by the way here are the rules yeah um, you know so I mean you could make the argument that even mono- early monotheism is not right. I just think it's super interesting to see how I guess this society, now that you bring it up, like I'm thinking about this on the fly, um, like how the ideals, like this idea of perfection, especially in a heroine like Wonder Woman is sort of shoehorned into the idea of a whole society that is imperfect. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That's really, I'm gonna have to reread this whole thing thinking about that now. Um, well, actually, so this actually brings me to one of my favorite lines in, okay. um, and I'm, I'm going to mess it up. So I'm going to find the line. There we go. I found it. Um, this is really interesting to me because we're talking about sort of old Testament, new Testament, and sort of the, this, you know, kind of very abrupt and very quick change in mm-hmm. culture and, and, um, uh, interpretation. Right. Um, but there's this line that Alcione says to Diana, which is, 
you do not know of our tribal beginnings. You have no knowledge of what we were before culture mm -hmm. by firelight and steel, which I find fascinating because, you know, there is this sort of um, throughout the book, there is this, uh, there is this thing of what is my mother, you know, what is my mother hidden from me? What do I not know about this mm -hmm. island where I, I thought I knew everything because I'd spent all my life here um, until I, you know, left and went to patriarch's world. But mm -hmm. what is, you know, what else is my mother hiding? And that's sort of, that's, it's really a fascinating um, thing about culture because we don't often, um, especially um, now, mm -hmm. you know, there's this sort of, well, do we put um, disclaimers on this movie letting everybody know this movie is racist, sexist, homophobic, mm -hmm. but it was produced as part of its time. It's still a good movie, but you need to know all these things going into it. We don't often explore our own history and our own, um, we often explore our own failings in a historical context. You know, it's much easier to watch a movie about racism that takes place in, you know, 1860 or right. 1960 than it is to talk, you know, to place a movie in racism today. And she sort of has in my mind, in my mind, she has this kind of clash of culture of, oh, this is what, this is what the old ways were. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, she know, talks about like fighting in the shadows and yeah, fighting of, in the shadows with superior forces and then like final approach. Yeah. Um, and I love that other line of, of Alcione, let us see if your way, your weak, polite way survives. But it's also this really fascinating um, uh, to me view of Diana because she's always willing to say, um, you know, we don't have to fight, we can have a conversation. As she says very early on with, with uh, Captain Nazi, when after she beats the snot out of him. Which was the wildest thing, but we'll get to that in a second. We'll get to that in a second. Um, <laughs> but she says, you know, as she has him in the lasso and he's reliving this very terrible thing that happened to him as a child. Mm -hmm. um, and she says, you know, punishment for the adult, but empathy for the child, even for him. And mm -hmm. I'm fascinated by that ability that she has to consistently love someone even when they are the worst person in the world. She's like, like this, you can change, you can be better, you can do these things. That well, doesn't yeah. mean that you don't deserve to be punished for the things that you've done. Right. But you don't, but that doesn't mean that we can't have compassion. Well, and it's interesting to me because they kind of do this parallel, like a parallel that I noticed, like they, they open with her kick-ass scene against the apes in the middle of the river, which was just such a kick-ass scene. Mm -hmm. But she does the same thing where she's just like, oh, you guys aren't bad. Just come hang out at my place. <laughs> um, and then like, uh, me, like, and you're like, dude, they just tried to straight up like smash her skull into a rock. Yeah. And then flash forward next scene of Captain Nazi, which was, I... 
we'll get I'll get to that in a second but yeah she she kicks his ass and then it's just like you know what it's cool you're cool too it's fine we'll we'll figure this out and it's not it's and I want to be clear it's not that she's saying Captain Nazi is cool by any right. stretch of the imagination no no no. no 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 she is she has She's like, thoroughly defeated him and stopped him. And yeah, right. Um, <laughs> Maybe not the best thing to say. She was like, I'm not going to kill you and yes. do what you would have done to me. I'm going to take I'm, whatever I'm, moral higher high ground can exist in like the comic book zone. Um, yeah. And it's interesting. I don't know if I would use the word moral high ground as much as I would say, I think it's just from this hope that she has that people can get better. Right. Because she, she does the same thing to Alcione at the end. She says, I forgive you. Mm-hmm. Come back to our tribe. And there's this sort of implacability mm-hmm. that the villains in this piece, it's interesting because the only ones who don't have that sort of um, single-mindedness of, of, um, of staying on the evil course are the gorillas. How many, how many theology papers do you think have been written about comparing Diana to Jesus. Cause there are so many, like, cause like Jesus is the son, Diana's like this whole time. They're like, she is the daughter. Mm-hmm. And then it's all about, oh, that's so interesting. I wonder how many of those exist. I'm going to have to hop on to get on to Google. I don't, book. I don't know because ge- well, generally uh, Superman is actually the one who is compared to Jesus. Right. Superman actually is much more like Moses, which mm-hmm. is comes from one land goes into a place of privilege and then tries to make everybody's life better and leads people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you know, inspires people. Um, So really I would say, um, I would probably say that Superman is is Moses Um, uh, and somebody that I used to know who went to the old gym that I went to, super nice guy, his name is Roy Schwartz. He's a writer. He actually did an entire, I think he did his master's thesis on Superman as Moses. And I read it maybe like 10 or 15 years ago. It was probably about 10 years ago because back when I was still going to the gym on a regular basis. Um, but anyway, so I got that Superman Moses kind of thing from him as we were talking about it one day while we were working out. And, you know, we were... Um, because we were both comic nerds. Anyway, um, but I, I actually think you're completely right. I think Superman is Moses, and I think Wonder Woman is is Jesus. I just looked it up. Uh, you have your opportunity for a dissertation because a quick Google Scholar search pulled up nothing. <laughs> um, I, oh, interesting. All right. So, uh, well, if you want to get I, your if you want to get your dissertation in something, I have found your topic for you. Because uh, I, I feel like of anybody in this world, you could do a 250 page plus a defense. That'd be fun, Doctor Peach. You know, I I would love to talk about Wonder Woman as as um, uh, a, a religious figure. Not, you know, I'm I know not saying mean. I have a shrine in my house and I worship her. What I am saying is <laughs> that I think that there is this. Um, He's in Wonder Woman beanie. <laughs> I say that yes, I am wearing my Wonder Woman beanie. I'm not going to wear this on the ride to my dad's house though, because I don't want to have to dump it in the um, washing machine right away. I'm going to, I'm going to put it in my luggage and I'm going to save it until. Right. 
till Christmas Day when I can pull it out and wear it while we watch the movie. Run it under a bunch of LEDs. Turns out that does a really good job. Oh, really? Okay. I'll do yeah, that. There was a whole, I just read a thing about it. Pretty interesting. Oh, Double check me though, because the internet is the internet. That's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I would, you know, be fascinated to talk about Wonder Woman and this idea of, um, you know, the the this sort of overwhelming love that everyone talks about in the New Testament with Jesus that mm-hmm. you know Wonder Woman, but we are we are tangenting. So I just that, want- that wasn't even a tangent. That was like an actual good part of the conversation. We'll see. Kelly might just totally cut that out. <laughs> I know that's true. Well, he'll he'll do whatever he wants to do, um, and that that's fine. Um, <laughs> I. So anyway, so yes, we both love that sort of previous, um, the previous story uh, of Alkion going on. I also want to talk about, um, I love um, the just, the things that you see about Amazon culture in there. Mm-hmm. Um, we touched on it a little bit, um, but I love the, the prayer that, um, um, contrasting the prayer of Hippolytus before she goes into war, into mm-hmm. battle, and contrast that with the prayer that Diana uh, mm-hmm. does, because it's really fascinating because, you know, Hippolytus like, you know, give me the wisdom to end this without bloodshed, give me the wisdom to um, forgive my enemies, but failing that, give me the gift of good aim. Which is, just, uh, I found weirdly funny of just like, it was like, I imagined it like cinematically where it's like, give me good and it's like, bam, camera shot. And it just spear going clean through this guy's noggin. Yeah, I will say this. I so wanted to steal that line when Matthew and I were writing that, the battle scene. Yeah. Desperately, desperately wanted to figure out how to steal that line and couldn't just, couldn't I get it done. funny that like, you know, when you, you, I know yours are the voices that you hear from each character are different for you but for mm-hmm. me there are friends like our, our voice actor friends um which is just hysterical to me when I like they was like it's Tresser and I was like whose voice I was like oh it's Chris I can hear I can hear Chris's voice like I can it's very fun because I'm like I'm sure I'm sure John can hear like the original cast and like or his favorite picks or whatever voices he has playing in his head I was like for me it is just our pals who I dialogue edited for weeks. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, you know, it's interesting. I don't know whose voice I, I always hear when I, I often feel like I hear a specific writer's voice for a specific aspect of Diana. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think, I, I think um, my, probably my two favorite Diana writers, um, like overall are probably Gail Simone and Greg Rucka. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think they do a lot of great, things as far as um, uh, dealing with the dichotomy of the character that other people haven't necessarily um, accomplished. And I don't mean that in a bad way. You know, we live in a world that is, that we tend to think of as very binary. Sure. You know, people are, you know, people are violent or they're good, you know, or they're peaceful. People sure. are this or they're that. Um, and I think they do this really wonderful job of saying, okay, there is, 
you know, there are these contradictions that exist within us. And the one that exists within her is the ability to wage a war, but the desire to not do it unless we have to. You know, we sort of break things into light and dark mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, it's okay to be both. Um, but I just want to touch on the, 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 I just want to circle back to one thing, which is the prayer that Diana has, which is not about, you know, grant me the gift of good aim. It's about, you know, uh, uh, let my enemy surrender. Let my enemy not fall in battle and cause grief to their family, but grant me victory. And it's interesting because, you know, you can say, well, grant me victory is the same as asking for good aim, but they're really two very different things. Yeah. I mean, Diana in a way is, I mean, she's not like Batman level of not killing. Like it it, it happens in Wonder Woman. Like it doesn't particularly happen in Batman. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I mean, there's a couple cases, I think here and there in some odd issue somewhere, somebody will point it out. But like in Wonder Woman, you know, it happens from time to time. Like it's not the rarest thing, but like she is, she wants nothing more than to not kill her enemies. She wants to bring them justice and bring them around to the, to the fun side mm-hmm. um but she does not want to kill them which is ve- a very interesting like and i an interesting ideal to come in 2006 i will say like as it come as it leaves like you know the this binary thing of like good and evil you know sort of peaked in the 20th century like Mm-hmm. all the writings of anybody you ever read there is like there are two things there are good and there is evil and i remember i had to for some english class i took at some point I had to read somebody from the 20th century and it was like you are good and you are good or you are bad and you are going to hell good luck and godspeed like yeah um and then like in the 21st century and like at the end of the 20th century you start to see like you know that postmodernist sort of well maybe you can do a little bit of both which is so interesting because like if you're coming from that wonder woman has existed for so long that if somebody is evil you know and especially in america america's ideals you have an enemy you kill them and then you move on like vengeance we did it woo but to have her be like you're you've done terrible things you're bad you're literally a nazi but I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to show you a different way, mm-hmm. which sounds super religious in a way. <laughs> like that's why I keep coming back. Like all of those, like all of my trail offs sound, sound like um, that, but like, it's really interesting to me to see like at the end, the spoiler alert, do do um, <laughs> to see like she fights the four guards and mm-hmm. I totally thought after I, Ali or whatever, I forgot her name. I'm terrible name. Alkion. Alkion. That's, that's just how I'm pronouncing it. Yeah. Alkion. After she jumped into the water, I was fully convinced that she had killed the other three. I thought they were just dead. I thought that Diana had made the assessment of this is what has to happen to Sam. Like, I didn't even question it. I was like, oh. And then it says, you know, the other three shrugged and went back to their cells or however that was worded. Like they went back to their cell. And I was like, they're still alive. Like, 
you know, there was plenty of bloodshed in the in the Nazis, but like she doesn't kill the other traitors. It was insane to me. Like not insane, like in a bad way, but just like, wow, it is a commitment to an ideal. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that of all the sort of classic superheroes, um, whether consciously or unconsciously, you can't really talk about them on a scholarly or intellectual, not to say that I'm intellectual or scholarly, but you can't really talk about it on an esoteric level, about Wonder Woman on an esoteric level without talking about politics and religion, because those things are so inherently part of her character. She is, you know, you can't really imagine Superman, Batman, Green Lantern, Spider-Man, Captain America, Iron Man, Captain Marvel, you know, none of them would go into battle, you know, because she says her line and it's here that I go into battle that I practice my faith. And Mm -hmm. she's praying in the middle of a battle. Right. You would never see any of those other characters do that. The ultimate power Um, build. (laughs) It it just, you know, which is not a good thing or a bad thing. It's simply part of their character. Yeah. Um, But um, so interesting side note, if I can remember both of them, because I can't (laughs) remember exactly what I I was going to say, but you were talking about, um, you know, this ideal that she has, you know, of not killing anybody. Mm -hmm. This, this run of Wonder Woman, I think this was volume three, if I'm not mistaken, and I have to probably look at the indicia. I think it's volume three or volume four irrelevant to the story, but it came after Infinite Crisis where the big, um, uh, you know, the one of the big issues was that Wonder Woman had killed someone, mm-hmm. um, someone who was controlling Superman and was making him, was, you know, Superman had beat up Batman quite badly and, uh, you know, had beat up Wonder Woman and, you know, Mm-hmm. If you're a comics historian, you'll know it. If not, don't worry about it. At some point, you know, we'll talk about it in Comics Corner, I'm sure. Um, but what's interesting is um, just before that happened, um, there is an Adventures of Superman comic that Wonder Woman and Batman guest star in. And it has one of my favorite lines mm-hmm. that I probably, I'm, I think I can paraphrase it a bit. Um, and this is going deep into comic lore, so apologies <laughs> for everybody, but they're talking about, um, this guy, this villain named Ruin who knows who Superman is and he keeps coming after him. Um, but, but even more frighteningly, he keeps go out going after the people that Superman loves, you know, Lois and Jimmy and Perry and all these things. Mm-hmm. And Superman says, I don't know what to do. And Batman says, oh, it's Dr. Light all over again. And it turns out that Dr. Light had um, had raped uh, a superhero's wife. And so the Justice League got together and sort of dumbed him down and like made him less dangerous. And he had just gotten this back. Anyway, so Wonder Woman says, you keep mistaking Dr. Light for human. And he's not. He's an animal. And if the delight at what he did doesn't tell you that, then, you know, the sheer sadism that he showed afterwards should have. And when you can't contain the monster and when you can't 
defang the serpent, you do what you have to do, you kill it. And I'm really fascinated by that sort of, hmm. uh, you know, to me, a lot of people are like, well, that's such a violent line. And to me, it's like, no, it's the least violent line. It's saying, if you can't change someone, if you can't put them in a place where they cannot hurt anybody again, then you're okay to cross that line. But you have to be really damn sure that you've tried everything before you cross that line. But don't say that you can't cross it because it's not, you know, all of these other things, you know, is it more moral to let somebody kill someone else just to hold to your ideals? Mm-hmm. Do you feel better now? You know, and I'm, I'm really fascinated. I completely tangented, tangented there. Um, I found it particularly interesting. Well, thank you. Thank you. I tried. I'm a lover um, of the lore. <laughs> oh, I should have said my, my third thing that I do is I play a shit ton of video games, books, music, video games. <laughs> now, the other reason that I'm, I wanted to, uh, one thing I wanted to circle back to is when we were talking about religion. Mm-hmm. What's really fascinating is, so at this point, Diana is not able to go to Themyscira. It's been cordoned off by Athena, who wasn't really Athena. It was actually someone from... Dark Side's apocalypse, it's a whole other plate of potatoes. We can get into that another time. Um, but she keeps going to other uh, pantheons of gods saying, I need your help to get home. And it's really fascinating to me um, that she finds this uh, this Polynesian god, Kane Malohe, Malohai. Yeah. Um, and I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, not guaranteeing it, but I believe that I'm pronouncing that correctly. Mm. Um, and she does say to him, if you do this for me, you know, I'm the only child of a, an island of warriors and poets and scholars. If you do this for me, I will, you know, I will be your fiery sword. I will have no other God that comes before you. Now she's not rejecting the Greek gods, but she is sort of throwing her faith and her belief into someone else, um, which comes back in another story, like mm-hmm. 10 issues later. Um, so if you want to keep continuing with the Gail Simone run, we can we can have that conversation too. Yeah. Um, uh, but I, I, I find it fascinating because I, you know, there's this idea that, oh, she's, she's abandoning her gods and she's fickle. And it's, it's not, I don't think faith for Diana and I, this is my interpretation. This is not from a conversation with any, you know, with Mm -hmm. any of the writers. Um, I don't know if it's a faith in a specific God that's important to her or to have the faith in something bigger than herself. I, I found it really interesting because the way I read it as I am not a scholar on Diana nor religion, but I found it very interesting that it showed like Diana is not really scared of dying, you know, where most people are like, I would lay my life on the line for this. Mm Diana is not particularly scared of dying. That's not a concern. She seems to show. Mm -hmm. Um, or getting injured, like normal human problems, I guess. But what she is afraid of is losing her faith 
or the people close to her. And I think that that scene to me at least just showed she was willing to give up whatever faith she had originally. She will rework her entire life, lay everything on the line. Like this is what matters to her. Mm -hmm. And she will, this is her piece. It's not her life. It is her faith. Her faith to her is more important than her own life. It's a, Mm -hmm. and to also watch, I mean, from what it seems from the gods and the pantheons that she visited, they all knew her. They all know who she was, mm-hmm. but they all seemed like only one God appeared to actually be like, Oh yeah, I should do this. This is, this is a good one. Um, mm-hmm. This, this is important. Um, which was really interesting to me. I mean, I don't know how much of that was like, intentional on who rejected who for what at what time and like what the plot was like i don't know in the in all of the wonder woman series i don't know how all of that plays into a role of like i'm sure there's a lot of politics between those pantheons like i'm sure wonder woman has uh, ten thousand issues so i'm sure they all get played out at some point you know what i mean um, there's a lot of you know back in the golden age there wasn't much egyptian mythology in wonder woman in the golden age but there was a fair amount of norse mythology um and there you know there were fights against the valkyries and 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 that um i thought it was interesting to me that the the thing that it, the thing that i pulled from it was that the gods again you know in every ancient mythology they were bloody and fickle mm-hmm. and and capricious or capricious depending on how you want to pronounce it i believe it's capricious but either or could be wrong it's not a word I use on a daily basis. Um, I'm surprised by that. <laughs> yeah, uh, but how you know how uh, arbitrary they were, which I I I think was was sort of fascinating. Um, and again, also, um, uh, it does sort of bring into um, this into mind this very interesting thing, which actually I'm assuming you read American Gods. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I was about to just reference it. Yeah. So the thing that's interesting to me is, um, you know, it's much easier probably um, to name, you know, five Greek gods than it is to name five Norse or five Egyptian gods. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if you're going by the idea of people who know you or people who believe in you or are giving you the power, you know, each pantheon is probably like, well, I'm not as strong as Athena and I'm not going into a war with her. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going into a war with the, the Greek gods because they're still better known than I am. Right. You know, so, but it's, it's sort of that, that bit of American gods, which is sort of how do we see, how, do we, how would we see gods? You don't, you don't understand Odin until he's driving a Lincoln town car. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't seen the series. I've only read the book. Oh, I haven't seen the series either. I, I just, oh, okay. I I meant he's more conceptual. Like you know, Neil Gaiman. Like I've said before, his absolute his trick, his party trick, is turning concepts into people. Mm-hmm. And so it's so interesting to watch to see how that plays out. And like I my the joke I was gonna make was like when Odin was like, Yeah, no, I'm not gonna get involved with that. I was just like, You're just a dick as always, aren't you? <laughs> like 
Um, just the well, you know, and again, there's a lot of, you know, it's interesting. There's a lot of father son stuff in mythology. Mm-hmm. There's Odin Thor. There's Chronos uh, uh, Zeus. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's um, uh, oh uh, Osiris Horus um, mm-hmm. in Egyptian mythology. There's not as much mother daughter stuff, which I sort of find fascinating. No, um, Greek does a lot of that. Doesn't Greek do a fair amount of that? I I don't know if they do as much mother daughter as if they do. Sort I mean, of father son is always much more. Yeah, interesting. Uh, there's a lot of wife. Um, and um, beautiful mortal being destroyed by by jealous Hera. Yeah. Um, I mean, shout out to Hera, but like, yeah, sweet gal. Yeah, sweet. Just she doing seems like a sweet gal. Doing the Lord's yeah. work, yeah. Just don't get in her bad side. Oh. Yeah, she's like Karen Walker. Just don't get in her bad side. <laughs> um, and her bad sides are most of them, but. <laughs> <laughs> um. But I, yes, so I, um, I don't know. Let, let me ask you before I, before I go into the, uh, the question that I ask everybody, um, mm-hmm. did this tempt you to read more Wonder Woman? Yes. It tempted me to read more comic books because I usually just sort of read my, read my Neil Gaiman and go do my other stuff. It, yeah. This one, this one was really cool in, I mean, it's so much more in my mind of like classic comic book. Like this, this is what comics are like, whereas, you know, if you read, uh, what did, what did, which one did we read, um, for the Halloween episode, the, um, the Neil Gaiman one, uh, uh, afterlife with Archie. It was, uh, endless nights, Sam endless nights. Yes where something like despair where it breaks all the form which i had talked about before where it's like total mold breaking like this is like panel and i found it really fun in that way i find it like more fun but yeah it makes me want to read more wonder woman yeah well it's uh, you know i i think oftentimes people certainly when i was a kid um you know in the 20s and or the 30s and 40s librarians looked down on um you know, Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys, because mm-hmm. um, it was, you know, it was, it was trash lit, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I think people in the, the 60s and 70s really looked down on comics. Um, oh, well, it's just superhero stories. Well, it, you know, I, I think the best superhero sure. stories are about something. It's just you're telling it within this particular genre. It's kind of like, um, uh like game of thrones is british history it's just told with dragons mm-hmm. in it with some spikes you know um so to me like the best written superhero comics aren't about being superhero and they're not about this fight it's about these very human struggles that we go through with our own in Wonder Woman's case, our own sense of faith, our own sense of morality, our own sense of our, um, you know, uh, kind of ever shifting 
well, it's not okay to do this, but it's okay. You know, I mean, for example, and I, you know, I'm not knocking anybody, you do you, you know, um, you know, some people would be like, well, you would never walk into a store and steal a CD, but you would download the whole album off of Napster, mm-hmm. you know, back in the day. Um, and you, you know, this sort of, you know, great superhero comics, you know, can involve that sort of ever evolving gray area of where, where are our lines of this is acceptable, this is not acceptable, this is okay, this is not okay. Um, you know, our, our ever shifting lines of, you know, what is faith to us? Is faith, you know, one hour a week on Sunday? You know, as, as the Lion and Gilmore Girls says, you know, you're a Sunday Protestant. You come in, sing a few songs, put a dollar in the collection basket and leave. Um, but, you know, mm-hmm. there is that sort of, um, you know, this is, she is living and breathing faith and, you know, uh, you know, how we interpret that and see that through our eyes. So I, I don't think that comics are something, I think that oftentimes comics are looked at, um, especially superhero comics are looked at as sort of, you know, uh, how did Martin Scorsese put it when he talked about action movies, when he talked about big superhero movies. You know, there's a place for everything. Would I would I only read comics for the rest of my life and give up books? Absolutely not. Sure. Would I only read books for the rest of my life and give up comics? Absolutely not. Right. You know, I, I need to have both. They feed different things in my right. brain. Yeah. Um, so now I'm going to ask the question that I ask at the end, and I, I realized that we tangented tangented quite a bit. Um, we didn't. Uh, we talked much larger sort of Wonder Woman and which is kind of fun philosophical and political every, things than every episode of the comics corner has its has its own charm and that yes. is like apparently mine tangents and does tangents and yeah. large talks about religion and philosophy really my personality <laughs> I, that's a good thing um, sure but did I make a good recommendation for you yes if only for the moment when Captain Nazi came flying through the door and I was like, what? Yeah. I was like, that's a thing? Uh, It is. Captain Nazi was from the Shazam comics, the Captain Marvel comics in World War II. Um, And obviously he was beat up and rightfully so and roundly defeated by Shazam every time. uh, and Gail Simone is a huge, huge fan of the Shazam family. Huh. She loves them, loves them, loves them. I'd Not actually Shazam, Shazam with Shaquille O'Neal, but Shazam. Yeah. No, <laughs> not not the Shaquille O'Neal. Um, yes. Um, which actually, now that we've talked about it, I feel like I should go back and reread some of those old Shazam books that Shazam. I have. I have to figure out where they are in my boxes of comic books. Um, which I've never actually shown you, but remind me to one day take a picture and just be like, I need, I need reorganization. I also I'll need two more short boxes. I'll show but, you my record collection at some point. It's okay. Excellent. <laughs> um, okay. So I do want to say, um, again, this is, uh, Wonder Woman, the circle, uh, with written by Gail Simone, art by Terry Dodson, Rachel Dodson and Ron Randall. Um, 
go if you, if uh, if you would like to purchase this, please do go to your local comic book store. Um, you know, uh, it, you can go onto comicshoplocator.com and find one near you. Um, we are just now, I think when this airs, we'll be five days away from the end of our Kickstarter for the new um, phase of our podcast. April is the cruelest month. We will be six days away. Six days. Okay. We'll be six days. Um, do check us out on kickstarter.com. Look at April is the cruelest month. Um, there is a reward there where I will be your personal book slash comic book shopper. Um, I will ask you a few questions and then I will come back with a list of books personalized for you, books and comic books. Or if you only want comic books, I'll do that. Or if you only want books, I'll do that. Whatever. Um, I am coming off, I don't know, 30 years of book retail experience, um, which, man, that's a lot of time in bookstores. But anyway, yeah. um, uh, if you uh, are able to pledge, please do help us out. Um, if you are not able to pledge at this time, that is understandable, but please do uh, social media us out, signal boost us, tweet us, tell your friends, tell your family members. Um, we have some amazing stories coming up. I actually, Josh, keep proofreading um, the first one, and I keep like tweaking words, and I'm pretty sure this is the third proofread that I'm going to send Kelly. Always. I'm pretty sure he's going to set me on fire if I do it one more time. So I'm going to hold off. Kelly wants for to another set me on fire routinely. <laughs> okay, that's good. I'm glad to hear. We're good. We just drive him nuts. <laughs> um, but in the meantime, enjoy Wonder Woman 1984 out on Christmas Day on HBO Max and in theaters um, where it is safe to do so. Please stay safe. Dear God, sponsor us. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Please stay safe. Please stay healthy. Um, and again, thank you for listening to John's Comic Corner. Um, go back and on Christmas Day after you've seen the Wonder Woman movie, please feel free to listen to our four episodes um, of our Wonder Woman saga. And uh, in the meantime, don't forget, ears open, buds in. And don't sue us, please.